pickaxe. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code SPOTIFY for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. If you're an athlete, you know the greatest motivator of all is the fear of letting your teammates down. After all, a team is only as good as its weakest link. So you owe it to those wearing the same jersey as you to be your best every time you step on the field. That's why there's no vape in team. When you vape, you can expose your lungs to toxic chemicals that can damage your lungs. If you're a step behind, the team's a step behind. Brought to you by The Real Cost and the FDA. You're listening to Resonance 104.4 FM. The art of listening. That was the bike show. Brilliant on bicycles. This is Britain's favourite radio show about video games. It's One Life Left. Good evening and welcome to One Life Left. We're on Resonance 104.4 FM and we're a video game radio show. For the next hour, we're going to be talking about video games because that's what a video game radio show should do. <laughs> I'm Steve Curran. I'm Anne Scantlebury. And who are you? Uh, uh, hello, guys. I'm Simon Parkin. Simon Parkin standing in for Simon Byron this week. Like for like substitution. Yeah. We have to have a Simon on the show every week. It's a legal requirement. We do, uh, and um, and we. Uh, do you think we've gone up in the Simon world this week? Oh, well, I'm right here. Yes. Yes. Let's say yes. Simon, welcome to the show. This isn't your first time on One Life Left, is Thank it? Thank you. No, I think I've been on twice. Once when it was just Anne, and and another time when it it was more than her. When it's <laughs> when it's just Anne, it's actually Anne Life Left. Yeah. Yes, that's right. Yeah. So technically once. Once. Okay. And that was on the quiz. So you've never been on it. The proper show. Oh, no, I think I've been on it once, the proper show, but, but never without anyone else here. So. Interesting. <laughs> Flying solo today. Yeah, I'm Interesting. a little nervous. Interesting. Have you had a good weekend? I've had a brilliant week. I went and saw Batman, then I saw a robot in the street, and then I saw the last episode of Dawson's Creek and cried forever. Mm, your week in video games. Yeah. Tell us about your week in video games, Simon. Um, well, I've been playing Dyad on PSN. and Have a um, review of that later in the show. Right. Uh, and then also I've been playing a lot of Spelunky with my daughter. And uh, then I, I cut my thumb as well quite quite <laughs> deeply. Which oh, is goodness. <laughs> that's going to really impact on you playing video yeah, games, isn't right. it? Because, because they I, yeah. use your thumbs. They use your thumbs. That's right, yeah. yeah. Ooh, I wonder if there's someone I could sue about that because it's, it is definitely impinging my ability to work right now you did it to yourself yes you can't see yourself <laughs> well no yeah you're right I, I don't know where to go uh steve how was your week it's been absolutely fine oh that's good I haven't played many video games so that's going to be a problem in the review section we'll get around it okay so let's start let's get on with this let's really get on with this <laughs> It's 7.04 on Monday the 23rd of July. I'm Anne Scantlebury and this is the news. Mojang is being sued for patent infringement in the Android version of Minecraft. Software company Unilock 
has made an enemy of Notch. He went a bit mental and said that software patents are evil. He plans to make sure the suit is unsuccessful by throwing piles of money at it. The suit, which calls Minecraft Minecraft, has also been filed against EA, Microsoft and Square Enix. The most likely outcome is that Notch will get a giant hat and make the whole thing disappear. That or the money thing. Tell me what this is about, Simon. Um, well, yeah, I saw this tweet from Notch, Notch Marcus uh, Persson, who yeah. is from uh, Sweden. Is that right? Oh, gosh. From one of those countries. <laughs> uh, oh, gosh, this is going so badly. He made Minecraft, and, uh, yeah, he's, he's rather excited because someone's kind of thrown a lawsuit at him, uh, and uh, he's very eager to, to fight it. So, wait, course. what's the lawsuit about? What are they suing Minecraft over? Um, Software. Yes, thanks. What about it? Is there some kind of tech in Minecraft that they're claiming? In the Android um, version. Yeah, in the Android version that they're claiming. Steve, I'll be honest, it's not very interesting. Something (laughs) that makes the thing happen. Right. Uh, yep. Someone else has painted a cog. It. Yeah, a cog in the mechanics in the wheel. behind the video game. Uh, someone else said, "I thought of that first, and I told someone else I thought of it first. Wasn't Minecraft um, a semi-clone of a previous building game that was uh, obviously similar as clones are? Infiniminer, is that right? That sounds slightly libelous. No, I'm asking a question. Questions <laughs> can't be libelous. It may not be true. Uh, well, is it? <laughs> I don't know. You're the video game expert. No, you write for the big boys' papers about it, Simon. You, you're, you're thrusting the libel right, on well, me. Well, here. we'll do some um, research. Um, uh, but but yeah, it sounds like I, I think these sort of video game patents. Do you, do you find video game patents um, restrict the industry creatively, Simon? Um, I, um, I cannot think of too many examples where that's happened. There, there are, there's kind of these lawsuits are, are often going about, aren't they're they? They're always on. They're always on. But uh, yeah, no. Well, we I had one on the on the show the other week. The the Tetris lawsuit it was oh, that yeah. game that was sued because it was a bit like Tetris, and we looked it up, and it was exactly like Tetris. Yeah. But then I, I, I'm sure I remember this may not be true as well. So who knows? I th- but I, I, I think isn't it true that Namco have the patent on? Uh, loading games, games that you play while the game is loading. Wow, I did not what? know that. I was, told, I was told that that is true. That when, uh, I think during Ridge Racer, you used to be able to play Galaxian or something. Mm. And that's why other video game companies haven't been able to uh, utilise that methodology uh, of uh. keeping the player entertained while the game is loading the next section because they fear that Namco will uh, sue them over that. Again, video game hearsay may or may not be true. Just put a... <laughs> Giant question mark next to it, Steve. Okay, is that, is that, is that our newsreader's advice? How to, yeah. how to get around these I've things? Got, I've got um, some media law experience, and I would say question marks solve everything. Polytron has re-released a patch for Fez that corrupts saves for some players because fixing, fixing and recertifying the game would have been too expensive. The developer claims that recertifying the game would have cost them tens of thousands of dollars. Microsoft has responded by saying it has spoken with Fez investor Trapdoor, but they didn't reach an agreement. The developer was keen to point out that if it, if it had released via Steam, getting things fixed would have been super easy. You could even say it would have been like shooting Phil Fish in the barrel. Ooh. <laughs> Is that the joke? That's the joke! So it's all downhill from yeah, here. Yeah, there was only one joke today. <laughs> Phil Fish, of course, famous for two things. Number one is Fez. Number two is... Uh, being pushed over. By one life left. Yeah. On how many occasions now? Two. Two. Is it two? I don't remember. I don't remember. And, of course, the third would be Simon's fish and bicycle joke. Yeah. Um, but he didn't tell it. He's not here. No, but he he did have the thought. He just thought of it too late. uh, Anyway, so this is uh, some controversy surrounding Microsoft's restrictions on patches, isn't it? Good thing or a bad thing, Simon? Uh, I think it's it's almost definitely a bad thing from the consumer point of view and probably from an indie developer's point of view. I think uh, this story has kind of been reported. People love to hate Phil Fish at the moment, right? And mm. so uh, kind of everyone jumps on it. But really, if you kind of look at the bare facts, the f- you know, the fact that people have to pay thirty or $40,000 to patch their game to make it work properly isn't kind of a, a, a good thing for the consumer or for the developers that have to stump up that cash if, if they're not kind of... Why, why do you think Microsoft introduced this? Probably to stop people consistently kind of releasing broken games and then fix them after. And the isn't fact. that a good thing for consumers? Uh, 
Yes, but I mean, is this? Uh, it seems like such a massive financial penalty to discuss a disincentive. So I, I think there's probably a middle ground somewhere. Mm. And in a case with a game like Fez, that's kind of very popular and is kind of, you know, I, I think there should probably have been a way for them to reach some kind of an agreement that wasn't quite like this. Yeah, what would that agreement be? <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I, I don't think this is a, a black or white uh, issue. I think it's I think it's complicated, mm. and I. You know, I get very frustrated. The other day, I, I turned on my PS3 for uh, to play a game, and it, it took ages to install, and then it took ages to patch again, and this was a few days after release. There should be no reason why that happens. But equally, um, I've been stung with that patching with a, a game that I put out, and we wanted to fix it. It was really, really complicated to get that patched, and... Um, yeah, potentially expensive as well. Um, I, I don't know what the solution is. Mm. Uh, I do think that Phil Fish has a very, very hard time, not just from One Life Left. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, mean, ev- so everybody's hating on him right I now. would say that we are the only ones to follow through. There are a lot of big people on the internet <laughs> who are, you know, wow, talking wow, smack wow. about Phil Fish. We're the only ones to actually push him over and he didn't really do anything to us no, did he no he then later came up and said oh you should come see my game tomorrow <laughs> didn't um, come up to me and say that no steve hey let's uh let's patent pushing Phil fish over then no one else can do it an 18 year old has died in taiwan after playing diablo 3 for 40 hours with no food or breaks the teenager booked into a private room in an internet cafe and collapsed after attempting to stand up blizzard responded by saying while we recognize that it's ultimately up to each individual or their parent or guardian to determine how playing habits. We feel that moderation is clearly important and that a person's day-to-day life should take precedence over any form of entertainment. That is pretty much good advice. If you do anything for too long, you will die. Yeah. Is there any exception to that rule? Living. Oh. Well, conversely, if you drink too much water, then you also die. Because there was that... Uh, yeah. Nintendo ran that competition, didn't they, to see who could drink the most Hold water. Hold your wee for yeah. a wee. And that, that went the wrong way as well. It so did. there's a happy medium here, you know, between starvation and gluttony. Hmm. Gluttony of water, I don't think that exists. Really? Yeah. I'm pretty sure it doesn't. Um, yeah, it's really sad. I think just maybe step away step away from the computer do you think before video games there were these sorts of uh, these sorts of obsessive deaths do you think people read for too long well that's what I'm wondering like people addicted to whatever the precursor to Fifty Shades of Grey was I don't know maybe it sounds like something that could happen in Jane Eyre (laughs) is that what consumption was when ladies got consumption they were just reading too many soap opera novels something like that for sure (laughs) but seriously I mean Diablo gives you TB (laughs) (laughs) but I I do wonder like obviously video games are uh, uh, maybe too compelling for their own good and so perhaps it is a problem unique to our medium do you think yeah they're like an active medium aren't they so I think people wouldn't die watching TV or or reading because they'll probably just fall asleep right Mm. at that point Um, whereas video games demand interaction what about cycling for too long probably shouldn't do that either right but yeah there's a physical thing isn't there where you i guess you're the build-up of lactic acid (laughs) makes you stop is that how biology works pretty much so what's to be done about this can we just you know do we just shrug off these uh do you have to enforced breaks into games some games have that sort of thing don't they simon or at least suggested breaks yeah nintendo's kind of nannying why don't you take a break here's Mm. here's an artist impression of a window like, if they put it in after 10 minutes, that would be annoying. But if it's after 20 hours, that's fair enough. Yeah, maybe there's a sweet spot between those two times. 10 hours? I mean, the Nintendo ones can be quite intrusive, can't they? And just Connect has, has that as well, I Does think. It? Because it, I, I'm not sure why, because you, you're more active, I guess, in the same. Yeah. Why don't you give your muscles a break? Does it tell you to stop uh, chatting to it? <laughs> <laughs> I guess it must do. EA has joined a group of US businesses to oppose the Defense of Marriage Act, DOMA. The act would see marriage defined in federal law as between one man and one woman. EA says DOMA presents a number of problems for businesses like EA as it creates regulatory, tax and discrimination complications for employers. And that's why we're against it. A big gold star to you, EA. Good for EA. Yeah. Yeah. Well done. Um, I, so I looked on the statement they put up on their website surprised by the number of people against them doing this yeah saying i don't like gay marriage now i hate you ea they're so angry about it you've 
obviously never encountered never Middle America before. before. Mm, quite. No. Well, it's a divisive issue, but mm. uh, I think the video game industry is quite a progressive one when it comes to things like this, at least. I mean, uh, this uh, your, your fifth news story isn't going to be about uh, women in the games industry, is it? <laughs> no. Okay, just checking, so we can talk about that now. I, I, I was talking to uh, a friend who, you know, we were talking about how uh, disgusting the misogyny that some... Uh, girls who play video games face when they play online is and she was saying yeah it must be you know you must experience that all the time working in the games industry and i don't at all i don't i, I find actually working inside Wait, the games you industry as a woman <laughs> yeah this i was wearing a dress <laughs> okay <laughs> no 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 uh, uh, my friend knows how easy it is to slip from one gender role to the oh, other yeah. <laughs> and a lot of people don't know i go into work every day in a, a, a beautiful pretty it's too much information, it's isn't way it? Too much it's too much information. Anyway, the point is that I, I think the games industry is quite a progressive one internally. Uh, like, it has quite very modern attitudes, presumably because it's still a younger industry mm-hmm. than a lot of other creative industries. Would you say that's true, Simon? Yeah, I think I think that's definitely true. And you know, bearing in mind as well, you, you work in Brighton, which is a more progressive city as well. Mm-hmm. So, double dose of progressive <laughs> progression. That's that's true, uh, and I'm, I'm sure. I, I mean, maybe I would encounter different things if I worked on those sort of, uh, you know, shooty shooty drive drive games. So I call them. That's a genre. <laughs> uh, you know, the sort of uh, games that you know focus more on catering to adolescent males. But yeah, I, I think this is obviously positive for me, eh? But I didn't find it personally surprising. I think it's weirder uh, when people don't acknowledge these things. Yeah, totally. Finally, video games just got 4D, or whatever dimension smell is. Perfume company Epic Sense has signed a deal with Capcom to make video game character air fresheners. They're currently signed up to create signature fragrances for Mega Man and Proto Man. The company is keen to point out that the air fresheners won't make your front room smell like these two, but like an experience of them. If you'd like to create the One Life Left smell experience, please get in touch through the usual channels. We will definitely say yes. It's a hot day, isn't it? It's really hot day. <laughs> I'm sure that that's a good idea. Um, so, what is the difference between a Mega Man experience and a Mega Man stench? Uh, oh, well, so, okay, so I have what they say that the the Mega Man fragrance, Cool Rush, uh, will note purity, bravery, and masculinity. Purity <laughs> is represented by a tropical breeze. Masculinity, masculinity is muskier, while bravery carries a slightly citrus flavour. Really? Yeah. Why is bravery citrus? Um... What is brave about a fruit? <laughs> I don't know. Homophone. I guess it cuts through, right? That's true. It, yeah. Maybe. True. Maybe. So um, Mega Man is kind of like a series that's kind of need, in need of a little bit of creative reinvention, perhaps. <laughs> I, I'm not sure they're applying the right? their efforts to the right. I mean, give him a crouch for no, for, for starters. He can't duck, can he? Which is so is this a, is this a mechanism that scent releases at the uh, uh, sorry that releases scent at the right time? No, it's literally like an air freshener. Like it'll cost you three dollars. Yeah, you just put it in your you room while you're playing it, in the game. Yeah, and they're hoping to um, broaden this out into perfumes over the toilet. Okay. Um, if this takes off, do you think it's going to take off? I don't think so. Are there any uh, video games you would like to smell like, Anne? Well, I was thinking about this earlier. Do I Good, want so to... you must have an yeah. answer. <laughs> well, I mean, my go-to answer is always SingStar Take That, but I don't know if I want to smell like them anymore. <laughs> I mean, I've been to their concerts and it's not that great. What other video games are there? <laughs> I don't know. What would you like to smell, Steve? Desert bus. <laughs> <laughs> One life left video game news with Anne Scantleberry.
This is One Life Left on Resonance 104.4 FM. Je m'appelle and Lobby. That's the song you're listening to. It's taken from chipmusic.org and you can find this and many, many other brilliant chip tunes, some of which we'll play later in the show. I've been doing some research. Well, thank goodness for that. Thank goodness someone has. So, from giantbomb.com, here's some information on the loading screen thing we talked about earlier. Oh, yeah. It says, interestingly... And this is interesting. Namco owns the US patent to minigames during load screens. US patent number 5,718,632. This is why many of Namco's games, minigames can be found during the load screens. Blah, blah, blah. Um, the patent was filed on November 27th, 1995, and so is likely to expire November 27th, 2015. So games companies get in your minigames for that date, assuming that that's correct. I don't know whether I is. That's just what D- Giant Bomb said. Don't say. take uh, legal advice. No, this isn't legal seriously. advice. It's absolutely not. This is the advice of three barely competent people <laughs> somehow talking about video games on the radio in Europe's favourite video game radio show, One Life Left. Another piece of information Infinity Miner talked about oh, yeah, that during that. the news. Yes. Uh, on the Minecraft wiki, It says, it's an open-source, multiplayer, block-based, sandbox-building and digging game. It's commonly associated with Minecraft for giving Notch an idea on where to go with Minecraft. Developed by Zaktronics Industries. Do you remember Zaktronics, then? No. Okay. Never mind. You might want to listen to the broadcast we did at GDC. Uh Uh-oh. Yeah, great. Do you remember the burying game? Oh, yeah. Oh, that's... We're not going to get sued, are we? For coming out with burying We probably games. will eventually, but not for that. No, that's fine then. Simon. Yes. How's it going? Uh, yeah, I'm doing pretty okay, thanks. Um, how, it, this is everything you dreamt of, I assume. Yeah, it's a little nerve-wracking. And you're a listener to One Life Left. I am, yes. Uh, how do you think <laughs> we're doing this season? I think we're, do- we're doing pretty awesome. Did I say we? You? <laughs> you, you, you. <laughs> no, you're I'm confused. You're, uh, you're one of us. <laughs> right, sometimes. That's, uh, that's why you, we let you take our features as your own right um so, so uh you know if you see anything or hear anything right. on the show yeah. you like tonight just feel free mm-hmm. to well, take, it take it back just take it back make it because right. you're one of us we okay. won't we won't bring it up again okay what do you do simon uh well uh i i write about video games and i occasionally make video games okay who do you write for um uh, right now i write for the guardian the games blog uh, alongside uh, my good friend keith stewart and mm. uh he's everyone's good friend isn't he is he's he? a lovely man, is he is he our good friend or is he on the list oh. no he's our good friend he's not on the list what has he done to be on the list i don't know i can't keep track no you're in charge of the list i know and he's not on it okay good sorry go on uh and and also the lovely Eurogamer, where where i do quite a lot of my work Um, interesting so so yes okay a a few other places anywhere else uh i I do the odd thing for for edge magazine uh where i in fact you were the first person i met in the games industry steve back in the day (laughs) when you worked at edge really yeah really interesting uh so so tell us about the differences between those publications and how you have to alter your writing style between them right well so uh, you write for the guardian yes. and there you're talking to people who don't necessarily play video games you talk down to them um no well i think the the community on the guardian games blog is is very well versed uh, mm-hmm. in games actually um mm-hmm. uh so yeah no there's i don't really have to alter my style too much there i like to uh i like to write up a little bit of really? the Guardian, actually, yeah, okay. because if we're like, you know, that's quite a nice platform, and and uh, just kind of give it the due care. What and do you attention. mean, right up? I don't know. Oh gosh, because I do that <laughs> for everyone I freelance for. <laughs> I think what Are I you mean just is second-rate stuff. To Eurogamer. No, no, I think Are basically you down oh, for gosh. Eurogamer. <laughs> this is going terribly. <laughs> no, because Steve was implying that you know you have to kind of simplify things for the for the games. Well, you write for an audience, and, uh, don't you? I don't think you have to simplify right. necessarily, but writing for uh, an audience to uh you know if you're writing for the guardian i think although your stuff is on the games blog you're going to draw in because stuff from the games blog appears on the front page of the guardian website right Right, and that's going to draw in readers from other parts of the site whereas if someone's going to Eurogamer or edge online they're likely to already be in video games so i just wonder whether the language uses well i mean when things are featured on the kind of front page or in the front page of the text section you can always tell there's an influx of kind of non-games savvy readers who Mm -hmm. go uh what the hell is this why is the Guardian <laughs> writing about games? Uh, nuke them to hell along with comics, kind of thing. 
thing. And so, yeah, I don't know. They're not people that I really need to to, to write for. So it's that, yeah, I think I'm kind of selecting the core readership there. Okay. Um, yeah, whereas uh, I guess with Eurogamer, you've got a highly engaged kind of mm-hmm. um, uh, core hobbyist audience who, who care a lot, and that's brilliant, and they're going to be rude about the things you write, and that's okay <laughs> because it means that they care, and yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, that's a good thing. Um, and whereas with Edge, I mean, that's obviously print, and so you uh, you feel a lot more detached from your audience, perhaps. You say uh, they're going to be rude about the things that you write. Sounds like you're talking from experience. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I have the odd scar. This isn't a therapy <laughs> session. Okay. But we can turn it into one. Yeah. Do you want to lie down? <laughs> Already am. <laughs> So uh, would you advise people to read the comments on their articles or would you say always avoid any piece of criticism from the anonymous internet? Yeah, that's an interesting one. I mean, we sometimes talk about this amongst us Eurogamer writers and some people don't and never look at the comments. Uh, I do. I read them. I don't mind the feedback. I think once you start writing for the internet, you quickly develop a thick skin. um, Mm -hmm. And so the odd thing can get to you, but that's normally because there's a kind of nugget of truth in it. And if you can learn to take that on then and turn it into a positive thing of course you you kind of get people that are just being super mean because, <laughs> because that's how they roll Can you think of any examples <laughs> what? what's the super meanest thing that, that anyone's ever said to oh you? uh i think i once had someone call a piece failed poetry uh, <laughs> Which, uh, no, that's okay. Uh, honestly, it's okay. Were you going for poetry, uh, though? No. <laughs> that's fine. Uh, yeah, so I guess it was... Uh, yeah. It was probably, like, um, you know, an adequate response. Maybe they were an English teacher. Yeah, I mean, I have nice comments, too. I don't want to... Do say you? That uh, What's the nicest comment you've ever had? <laughs> oh, if people say, I really enjoyed that, do you know, that's a really nice thing. Because someone took the time to say, I read this and, and it brightened my day and you didn't waste my time. Those are good things to hear as a writer, okay? So Yeah, it's, uh, I think it is very, very rare that people take the time to say nice things about things. Mm. So it is good when that happens. So... Um, you make games as well? Um, yeah, so I... Yes. So uh, I work at an uh, independent studio in Brighton called Little Loud, and we make kind of web games and some things for Channel 4, games that kind of maybe have a social kind of message or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's that kind of thing rather than big console blockbusters or anything. So what do you find uh, is... I mean, obviously, there are a lot of different things in the creative process, mm-hmm. But do you find any particular parts of uh, writing and making video games more rewarding and less rewarding versus each other? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, I find, I, I think the kind of games that uh, I, I'm privileged to have a hand in at Little Loud tend to have a kind of journalistic angle to them. So mm-hmm. we made a game last year called Sweatshop, uh, which is a cutesy tower defence uh, style game with a few kind of neat mechanics. Um, but it's not really, while it was made for Channel 4 and it's designed to educate the audience about how sweatshops work, it's not really kind of beating people around the head with the with the point. It's kind of saying, hey, you run a sweatshop and you'll get to experience some of the uh, the kind of pressures that sweatshop owners uh, undergo and you know being able to create a game that has a journalistic approach to its message uh, was really enjoyable and that's kind of an alignment with the work that I do kind of elsewhere as well what about the question of personal authorship do you think mm-hmm. do you feel like you have creative ownership over something you've produced in the video game space uh, they're much more collaborative mm-hmm. uh, so yeah if you write if you write an article it's very much yours you're kind of uh, the reader gets to see the landscape of your mind and that kind of thing whereas making a video game you're kind of working with a bunch of other dudes and uh, you know they're, they're rewarding in different ways I guess mm-hmm. but yeah I find writing much more personal okay you have a couple of websites as well don't you Yes, yes. <laughs> if you just remembered them. Yes. So, uh, yes, I'm also one quarter of Hookshot Inc., which is a site that uh, myself and three other video game journalists launched earlier this year to cover downloadable games that cost $15 or less. And I run that with uh, Keith Stewart, the aforementioned Keith Stewart. Uh, not Chris, on the list. Uh, Chris Donlan, who is uh, who writes for Edge. He's definitely not on the list. He was really nice to us at the GMAs. <laughs> He was, wasn't he? Not on the list. He's a lovely man. Keith and, Stewart um, did steal our pub for the Guardian Party. Blue Post. Can you he, do No, that? but he's not on the list, Steve. He's not on the list. I'm not saying he's on the list. I'm just reminding you. Is he a step away from the list? Maybe. He's on the sub list. You keep the list. Okay. And? And finally, Will Porter, who used to be editor of PC Zone. Definitely not on the list. No. Okay. Fine. So, yes, the four of us run that website. And okay. And what sort of stuff do you do on that? Uh, we cover... 
uh, basically any downloadable games. So that's stuff on PSN, XBLA, but also iOS and Android games. So we're trying to kind of cover this emerging niche that no one's really covering, and we're we're doing it in an imperfect way. But uh, it's kind of all new, and it's quite exciting. Do you have any regular features? Um, yes, we've got one regular feature in which we well, you know, the four of us are quite privileged in that we get to interview interesting people for the the places that we write for elsewhere. So normally at the end of an interview, I'll tack on a question: What are you playing on your smartphone right now? So oh, okay. uh, we'll we'll do that the what you playing feature, and uh, we've got to ask Miyamoto what he's doing and Hideo Kojima and people like that and have been featured. Have you ever thought about having a child review a video game? Yes, yes. So I have a. I, I, don't look at me like that. <laughs> I have, Do you want to lie down? I have one of those. I have a child uh, who I'm super nice to, just <laughs> for the record. That's <laughs> good. good. Uh, uh, and, uh, yeah, she, uh, she I, I occasionally video her giving her thoughts on the latest video game that I've been playing, she's been watching, which is an idea that I entirely lifted from One Life Left. We should think about stealing that. Steal Simon's, Simon's got a child. I did talk to Simon about this, and but he said that uh, Talia grew too old. She did, but Simon's actually got, got a child. child. Just like, just like women, on, women on the BBC grow too old, they get kicked out. <laughs> you're, you're, that's his, who was the lady on Strictly? That's what happened, wasn't it? Oh, you're her, no Arlene better. Phillips. Yeah, yeah, we're no better. That's what you did. Talia is one life less. Arlene, forever young. It's Derek Williams. <laughs> Halo Anniversary at the number one spot, which shows Retro is still in. And it certainly is at my store, having recently started putting Mega Drive, SNES, NES, Saturn and all that kind of thing out for sale. Initially things went pretty well with Sonic and Mario selling pretty quickly, but things have slowed down since. It's been interesting seeing what I'd built up in my stash of games over the years. The most valuable ones I've found have been the first two Zelda games for the NES. They seem to be selling for around 70 to 80 pounds these days. But they're pretty obvious. Another one I discovered to be valuable was one I'd never heard of. The Fireman for Super Nintendo. Which is about a fireman named Pete in the distant future of 2010. This seems to sell for around 50 to 60 just for the cartridge. Which is nice. It's great finding an obscurity like this, not just because it's good to have a valuable item, but because it's finding something unusual. Something a bit more interesting than your average run-of-the-mill stuff. Discovering something new that few people know about is always a thrill. Then so is trying to figure out how on earth it ended up in your possession. Sometimes you buy bulk batches for a cheap price and just don't really know where they've come from until years later. However, whilst I'm on the subject of the rare and obscure, I'd like to mention a rather nice blog dealing in obscure titles. And no, it isn't one of mine. Recent post there, Seikima 2 Special Akuma no Gyakushu, seems to be the only English language review available, so being a great treasure trove for discovering hidden gems on obscure platforms. So might I suggest you point your browser in the direction of lunaticobscurity.blogspot.com? Anyway, I'm Derek Williams, and this has been my free market economy advertorial of the week. Thanks, Derek. We've had a lot of letters this week. Quite a lot of tweets as well, mostly about our subject of the week. But we'll start with something from regular contributor Ben Hall. Oh, Ben. Who writes to us with the subject line, a little bit of politics. Hello, team. Minus Byron, plus Parco from Memento, and possibly plus a super special guest. Well, he is the super special guest this week. I was pleased to see that you announced the award for the Best Games Journalism Award on your Twitter feed last week. However, I was very annoyed to see that the judge from one of the Games Journalism Awards has jumped on the 7 out of 10 should be banned wagon. Clever wording, I know. Cheers. Unlike last time, that wasn't from an obscure Tumblr feed that no one reads. Instead, it was from the New Statesman, 
a left-leaning, namby-pamby, muesli-eating, sandal-wearing, soap-dodging political magazine that no one reads. Not our opinion. The Trotskyite author of the piece, Helen Lewis, tries her best to defend her position. In this age of austerity, people look towards a score of 7 out of 10 as something achievable. Considering less than 7 out of 10 eligible voters didn't actually vote in the last general election, I think her time would rather be better spent looking at that rather than picking a fight with you lot. Is there any chance that Helen will be on the show to discuss her viewpoint? Ben goes on. Or will she come on and not answer questions like the politicians that she so admires? What does Parco think? He writes for The Guardian, which is almost as bad as The New Statesman. You couldn't make it up. Cheerio, Ben. <laughs> what do you think, Parco? It sounds like Ben has a crush on Helen Lewis. Does sound like that. Does quite it? a lot. Does sound like that. He's just that. pushing her in the playground and then running away, isn't he? He really is. Well, uh, as, as luck would have it, we actually did have a letter uh, early in the week, which I'm trying to dig out now from Helen Lewis. Uh, anyway, Anne, you've got another yeah, letter, Yeah, I do. You? Uh, dear team and super special guest, or Parco, if it's him again. Uh, it was great having Simon read uh, him off of New Star Soccer on th- that there radio show of yours. Like most people, I played that game to death, also guessing 100% on everything, something I've never done in any other game. As a huge Arsenal fan, I took great pleasure in destroying the seven seasons without a trophy thing, winning the Gunners everything, but the most enjoyable part of the game was making it look like I was going to leave Arsenal for Barcelona, negotiating ridiculous wages and then telling uh, the Catalans to go swivel and signing for Real Madrid instead. Then he says something about tattoos, which we'll read out later. And then he says, this is good. Uh, you guys are so much better than the whole of GameSpot. What? Ha <laughs> <laughs> oh. ten. Uh, cheers, Steve. Um, Helen Lewis. Oh, Helen Lewis. Best friend of the show. Interesting. Wrote to us. She said, hello. After seeing you tweet my piece this morning, it reminded me to go and look at your podcast again. I got this close to downloading before, and then I broke my iPhone. Which is quite extreme method to go to, to not listen to the show, but fair enough, I suppose. Uh, I really like what you've done, and I'm so pleased it's been a success. She didn't listen to it, did she? <laughs> <laughs> I'm even now downloading the back catalogue. Sorry, Helen. Best wishes, she says. P.S. Sorry about the seven. So we'll, we'll do what we can to get Helen on the show and we can find out Hopefully. How, Hopefully how, how downloading the podcast went. Yeah. Uh, we've had another letter. I did not understand this one okay. at all. Let me know if you know what it's about. Worse than Zynga. Dear team, not SSG, as they weren't the ones that said it. One of the worst ones to the to one of the worst ones. You've basically turned into that horrible man from OMG Pop tweeting about his employees. Yours disgustedly, Jays. Ah, yes. I don't know what that was about. It's I because just... it's because last week when we were getting a little bit annoyed that one of our features had been stolen, and I said it didn't matter because it was one of the worst ones. Oh. They took that as an attack on our, our features. All of our features are brilliant, of course. Of course. And actually the feature that was stolen was one of mine. <laughs> of course. So it was genuinely one, one of, of the, the worst, worst ones. ones. But in a brilliant bunch, that's not so yeah. bad. Uh, we've also got an actual letter. An actual letter. Yeah, uh, I've given it to Parco to read right. out. Go on. Shall I? Re- oh, yeah. God. Oh, you thumb. can't open it so, with okay. so we should say, while Parco's opening our actual letter, it is possible to write to us, physically write to us. Please do. We get so excited because when we get an actual letter, that means the bike show sees us get an actual <laughs> letter. Uh, and it's really, really exciting. Um, you have. You, you should say the address. Yeah, the address is uh, One Life Left Care of Residence, F- uh, 104.4 FM, 144 Borough High Street, London, SE11LB. We also have an email address. Team at onelifeleft.com. But, you know, write to us. Write to us. We write love it. Us. That is quite a letter. Is it long? Uh, it's not too long. Go. I mean, <laughs> okay, go. We'll all, just... all right. So this is a, a handwritten letter from Carl Stones from Bradford. He says, Hola, guys and girl. I heard you mention you never get any actual posts anymore, so I figured I'd send this. Yes, a fully handwritten, hand-delivered actual letter. So anyway, first-time writer, and as of this week, first-time listener. Followed the link from the Do You Inverts and figured I'd check out the show. Glad I did. It made my commute that much more bearable. The oh. reason I'm writing is down to tattoos. You guys leave Parco alone. <laughs> Thanks, Carl. Not only do I have Wait, one... are you making this up? <laughs> No, he actually says this, right? Not only do I have one Jin Kazama's devil mark on the left arm, Pac-Man chasing a ghost on the left forearm, 
Atari logo on the back of my neck, cover art of obscure PC game Phoenix on right arm, Cloud Strife on right thigh, a Predator on left thigh, amongst other tattoos, but I also managed to trick a woman into marrying me and name our two kids after Final Fantasy characters. No! <laughs> wow, he doesn't say what Good they trickery. are. Uh, nerdy gaming tattoos a chick magnets which I know is One Life Left's mantra and you're all jealous it's okay no one's perfect we still love you regardless that said love the show gonna keep listening keep it up etc etc lots of love Carl Pierce say hi to Joe if he's listening Tar. hi Joe hi Joe and thanks Carl you are our most tattooed listener totally <laughs> unless post- you know better oh yeah also post pics post pics please we will uh, return to the tattoo thing after this One Life Left, we're a video game radio show, and last week on Resonance 104.4 FM, we asked you, our listeners, that if you could tattoo one thing on Simon Parkin, (laughs) Guardian journalist's body, what would it be and why? It has to be video game related. Why do we ask this, Anne? Uh, Because he's got one on his arm. He's got one. What has he got? He's got... Hold it up. He's got one that says... Avoid missing ball for high school. And what is that? That's the instructions to Pong. Yeah, exactly. So we asked you, and we had loads of responses. So many. Um, I'll start. Dear OLL, good friend of mine has uh, Lego Han Solo versus Lego Indiana Jones on his leg, courtesy of Incredible Creations Inc. Studio in Perth, Scotland. Uh, And then there's a picture. That's quite a good one. Is that a good one, Simon? uh, Hang on. It uh, it was Lego, uh, Lego Han Solo versus Lego Indiana Jones. I'll see it though. Oh. Imagine it, Simon. Imagine yes, it, it in looks your head. so good. Okay, I'll get to. We're going to list some tattoos, Simon. You've okay. got to pick one of these. Say yes or no. It's going on your body. Yeah. Okay. Oh, that. Oh, nice. Wow. Yeah, Sorry. we can do that for you. Good radio chaps. Thanks. <laughs> Continue. Okay, uh, we've had some tweets. So uh, Peter Moorhead suggests Zelda's mark of the hero, a small triangle on the back of your hand. Um, probably. Would you? Uh, maybe not the back of my hand, but below, below the sleeve. Alice O'Connor suggests game over, tattooed on the surface of your heart, a profound message for the coroner. Uh, yes, very good. Nice. Uh, Steve Owen said, uh, as for Parker's game manual tattoo, I think he should get page 210 from the Caesar 3 manual. <laughs> Sierra 1999, yeah, I'm old, so what? It simply read, I can't read that word. Uh, statute, medium, property rating up to 75%. What the hell is that? Profanity. Um... <laughs> on your body (laughs) it's quite obscure it is Uh, Ben Youssef says invincibility stars everywhere and then you could start a band or something (laughs) Uh, yeah that's that's everywhere 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 Uh, Morg Adams says insert coin somewhere appropriate failing that the Falcon 4.0 manual everywhere Ian Masters says... Oh, sorry, what do you think of that? Uh, yes. Yes. <laughs> Ian Masters says, an actual copy of Kratos's tat. <laughs> God of War? Uh, yeah, yeah, uh, I don't know if I could pull that off. I'm not as manly. Really? Okay. Uh, this man would not get a, a tattoo because he might be a haemophiliac. Oh, this is Zubair. Uh, but in the spirit of the other stupid body modifications, did you hear about the guy who put magnets into his wrist so he could wear an iPad, uh, iPod Nano? Silly man should have known that he can't play New Star Soccer on iPod Nano. Are you getting any more modifications, Parco? Yes, one of these. Maybe <laughs> <laughs> Barrett's machine gun arm from Final Fantasy VII. <laughs> 
And finally, Paul Kirkal says the only one that comes to mind is Skyrim. Sorry. What, the whole of Skyrim? I'm just apologising for Skyrim. <laughs> all, all of Skyrim tattooed across all of you. And then sorry. <laughs> sounds, quite, uh, sounds quite a stretch, but thank you. Which of, which of those do you fancy, Simon? Or what is, is going to be ne- your next video game tattoo? Uh, I might be done. I might just I might just get the one. I mean, people say you get one and then you get loads, but I'm not you so can't. sure. You can't. Uh, no. Well, You're going to leave the studio going, with right. something drawn on you. I, I quite like I've got the, a pen. The, uh, maybe, <laughs> game over on the heart. Or maybe a Zelda heart just with a quarter cut out of it. Really? From well, on the heart. No. On, your, on your heart. <laughs> <laughs> That's impractical. Uh, it's time for Craig the Rage McClellan. If nothing else can be said for the sport of Formula One racing, surely we can all agree that it's the loudest, most expensive metaphor for the utter futility of life ever created. Inside the Drivodrome, fabulously wealthy fans of noisy tedium assemble to watch 20 of the planet's most boring men drive supercharged coffins round in circles over and over again for the best part of a Sunday afternoon. As a metaphor for the pointlessness of human existence, it could only be more elegant if the drivers began the race as newborn infants and emerged from their cockpits at the end as wizened husks of parchment-like skin and chalky crumbling bone, collapsing into the arms of Jake Humphrey, murmuring, the horror, the horror, before coughing their terminal breath into the TV presenter's blandly handsome corduroy trouser of a face. Instead, we have to endure the fearsome, consuming anti-charisma of Lewis Hamilton, sucking all traces of fun, humour and joie de vivre into the mighty Tag Oya-sponsored event horizon of his personality. For some people, however, even this moribund spectacle is too thrilling, and something is required to take the edge off. Thus, F1 Online, the web-based game that brings all the tedium of Formula One straight into your fetid one-bedroom grief hole, new from Codemasters. The Rage McClellan, One Life Left's in-house poet. So, Simon, I gave you a little yes. bit of homework last week, didn't I? Well, five minutes before the show. Which is technically last week. One right. Life Left's week begins... At seven. At seven. So last week you were given a bit of homework. Right. And that was uh, to resurrect... Same as uh, one of our guests earlier in the season, to resurrect the top five feature. Right, yes. We wanted to be a bit contemporary this week because we've, we've uh, had a lot of talk... Around our, around our media circles about a certain piece of pop culture. What is that, Anne? Oh, it's that there, Fifty Shades of Grey. Fifty Shades of Grey. Or Darker. Or Freed. Because it's a trilogy, Steve. There's not just one book. Tell us what that book is, Anne. You're a girl. I am a girl. Uh, it's a book which is about a very rich man uh, who meets a very young girl and they do a lot of sex. They do a lot of sex. And it sold so many copies. So many copies. So it's many almost copies. like people didn't know sex existed before. <laughs> well, they do now. Oh, boy, it's not normal do. sex, though, is it? Oh, no, it's it's um, uh, that BDSM sex. That one. <laughs> that one. <laughs> that one. Okay. That yeah. So we thought, well... It's about time. I mean, it used to be Twilight fan fiction, okay? So it's yeah. okay to it's okay to be inspired by something and then to and go then, on to yeah. sell more copies Greater than things. any book ever. So we thought maybe we can make this. We can go all transmedia on this. Yeah. Take Fifty Shades of Grey as an inspiration and transfer it into video games. What? So Simon Parkin's done his top five video games inspired by Fifty Shades of Grey. Right. Yes, that's correct. But I, I just want to say, I got the train from Brighton with Steve this evening. We had a good two hours together, and then it was five minutes before we went on air. You're a writer, Simon. There are no excuses. Okay. Yeah, Inspiration yeah. can All strike right. at any time. Okay. Exactly. Top five. Okay. In fifth position, we have Fifty Shades of Valet in which you must clean all of the cars from Gran Turismo 5 with your tits out. <laughs> it's brilliant. Brilliant. It's, brilliant. it's, it's really controversial. Great. Yeah. Wow. Shall and I... is that just for the male characters? Um, I hadn't thought that far. Okay. Go. Yeah, yes. <laughs> <laughs> okay, in fourth place, Fifty Shades of Hairspray, which is a JRPG trivia game that you play with your pants off. 
You have to identify the protagonist for okay. various JRPGs. That was the weakest of the bunch. Maybe that should have been fifth. Really? Uh, uh, so in at third, we've got Fifty Shades of Buffet, <laughs> which is a microgame collection in which you play as Epic, Epic's Mark Rain, and you have to eat various types of finger food that have been lovingly re- rendered in the Unreal Engine. I see, I see. So it's a promotional game. Yeah, promotional It takes place yeah. at games conferences around the world. Yes. Different types of buffets, different zones. There's yeah, that's good. GDC Does... China and Gamescom. <laughs> yeah. Does he have his pants off? Um, uh, yes. No, let's say he's only wearing chaps. Okay, I would fine. imagine you can probably upgrade to different types of pants, looser pants for... Yeah. Uh, oh, for that's good, yes. you know, Because if you have looser pants, then you can consume more food at the buffet. Yeah, that's good. Maybe, that's nice. maybe yes. microtransactions. Yeah. Oh, for the pants good, we're good. on to something with monetize yeah. got you really inspired 50 shades of buffet yeah. number two okay this is uh, 50, sh- 50 shades of P-A-Y-E <laughs> <laughs> in which you play as a member of Activision's HR department uh, and you must uh, fill out pay slips while dressed as a gimp of course of course it's so obvious <laughs> now no! And finally, your number one video game inspired by Fifty Shades of Grey is... Uh, there's Tomb Raider, in which you press X to avoid sexual abuse. <laughs> it's perfect, and that was Simon Parkin's top five video games inspired by Fifty Shades of Grey. It was a winner, right, Simon? <laughs> yeah. You had all week. All oh. week. I've always got on well with Wikipedia as an entity. I've understood how to contribute, and in return, it's never shouted at me or locked me in the basement. If an individual editor has accused me of being wrong, I know I'm still right. There was a time when I didn't quite get it. I'd read the term crowd combat fighting game in Edge magazine to describe that genre of game which includes Dynasty Warriors, and thought it was pretty neat. I proceeded to recategorise half the action games in Wikipedia until it was pointed out to me it was a neologism. Indeed, trying to back up my case, I found no one else using the term. I had committed original research. When does a genre become a genre? I recall MOBA having a hard time. That's Multiplayer Online Battle Arena, which was intended to describe the gameplay style of Defense of the Ancients, but the term was coined by Steve Feek, one of that game's developers, and by no one else, so clearly that had to go. But we do have an article on a genre called Non-Game Game, a term coined by Nintendo President Satoru Iwata to describe Animal Crossing. The article also mentions SimCity and Second Life without qualification. All that seems rather vague, why can't I have crowd combat fighting game? We also have Escape the Room, and I intuitively know what kind of browser game this describes. It's a precisely defined subgenre point-and-click adventure, but the article has no references. No one's publishing information about these games. Merely existing isn't enough. Can Grand Theft Auto clone be considered a genre? And what the heck is a cinematic platformer? When I was a lad, a game was either a text adventure or Manic Miner, and no one had to cite anything. I'm Duncan Timoney, and my genre is demagoguery. Anthramon Nocturnal Hits or Bits Nocturnal Bits I can't read my own handwriting That's terrible uh, Earlier in the show you heard Behaviour by Axelon um, Simon you said oh this is good didn't you Yeah I did I enjoyed this It's nice, nice to have a Simon who's positive it about is. parts it's of the show change. I believe it I think it's going very well you've brought that feature back with a plum. well done Simon 
And now you've got your other commitment right, to One yes. Life Left, which is to bring a cocktail. Yes. Okay, so for my cocktail this week, I'm bringing Tetris on the Beach, which is... You haven't had this one before, have you? We haven't had Tetris on the Beach. Which is pentomino ice cubes dropped into a glass and then covered in Russian vodka and sand. (laughs) (laughs) You see, these do have to be cocktails you can consume. Okay, let's let's remove the sand and it's basically vodka. (laughs) (laughs) But with novelty ice cubes... Uh, Gonna have to think around this. It's got to be... What's sand like? Why sand? Uh, Because the beach. Oh, yeah, of course. Uh, So I've just put an umbrella in it. Maybe cheese? Cheese... (laughs) Parmesan what, what, maybe it has to more represent you, Simon. Oh, really? What, what's yeah. an ingredient that represents my, you? You're throwing my drink out. Yes. What drink represents me? Yeah. Oh, gosh. Um, well, something to add to Tetris on the Beach that represents you. Uh, well, I really like ginger beer. Okay. So I mean, it's my brother's vodka, ginger. Vodka, ginger, and pentomino ice cubes. Yeah, that's, that bit's very important because otherwise it doesn't work. What have you been playing this weekend? Obviously, I've been playing New Star Soccer. Obviously, Obviously. of course. This could get awkward, couldn't As it? Because we assume Simon yeah. uh, of last week, uh, <laughs> one of the Simons, is, yeah. a, is a dedicated listener. He well, made now, the game. Yeah. And obviously, I've been role-playing as Nick Carter from the Backstreet Boys. How did that go? <laughs> well, it's going really well. Um, so I haven't yet got to the... Well, I've only just started getting to the bit where he is starting to go off the rails and visit the casino. Oh, um, really? So... I've been building him up and he's been getting a lot better. It's, you know, he's been going really good. Other clubs have been wanting to sign him and things, but I've been just really focusing on getting his skills up and everything. Um, the thing that I find um, hard about this game is that you can just throw money at the problem. So if I just want to buy some more things, I'll just literally buy them with my actual money. Have you been doing that? Yes. <laughs> <gasps> Uh-oh. What am I... Who am I? See? <laughs> That money has gone straight into his pocket as oh, well. it's a good he was, pocket, though. Yeah, he was so guest. He was lovely, so nice that's guy. fine. Nice guy. So you're beating the game by paying to win at the yeah. game. Uh, and also getting pleasure out of reading headlines that say Nick Carter has been playing very well this yeah, How week. much money have you spent on this so far? Well, not loads so far, but I can see that I've got... The, now that I've started going to the casino, <laughs> I can see it's got the potential to spiral out of control. Oh, my this goodness. Is, imagine if I got addicted to gambling, but only in New Star Soccer. <laughs> it could definitely happen. Um, so you've enjoyed it then? Yeah, I've enjoyed it. It's good. There's not, you know, the football bit is easy enough for me to play. Uh, and yeah, it's good. It's good, isn't it? Excellent. I'll give it 7 out of 10. Brilliant. Simon, what have you been playing? Um, well, I've been playing Tony Hawk's Pro Skater HD, which was released as uh, part of Microsoft's uh, Saw Summer review of Arcade. for that on uh, Eurogamer. Oh, right, yes. Yeah, that's what I was doing it for. So um, it's, like, it's like failed poetry. <laughs> that's a, that's a oh, callback. It wasn't really. Oh, You'll never um, guess my pseudonym in the comments. <laughs> I, I've heard it's disappointing from yes, your uh, review in Eurogamer. It's a yes, bit of a pointless uh, conversation, really, isn't it? Yeah, a little bit disappointing. I mean, yeah. And uh, it's hard to know whether how much of that is down to all my memories of this game from a decade ago are kind of rose-tinted and how much is just the, the kind of update, the remake uh, that's lacking. Uh, mm-hmm. I think it's a mixture of the two. Really? Um, yeah, and secondly, I've been playing Dyad on PSN, which is out in America and comes out in Europe shortly, I think. Um, mm. And that's kind of, uh, it looks a bit like Rares and Tempest and you're kind of, you're, you play as a ball of light hurtling down a tunnel, but uh, you're not really shooting. You have to grab these anchor points and pull yourself along as quickly as you can. And it's really beautiful and trance-like experience. I like it a lot. I was really struggling to find a Europe, uh, European release date for Dyad when I found out it wasn't out mm. here yet. It's usually PSN things are worldwide. And I, was, yes. I was a little bit dismayed. And the only place I found it was a forum comment from the guy who made it himself going, yes, yeah. I'm really sorry it's not out yet. It turns out it's loads of work to put yeah, something out in Europe. Yeah. I didn't know. Yeah, he gave he just, yourself three months, didn't he? Yeah, and he just uh, found out at the last minute. It was like, God, this has taken ages. <laughs> um, so yeah, I'm, I'm really looking forward to playing it. Assuming you give it a decent score, what are you going to score them? Um, uh, both of them get seven. Okay, fair enough. Well, that's uh, disappointing from Tony Hawks, but that's yeah. you know promising from Diane. Yeah. So yeah. that's exciting. Steve. 
I've had a very busy week and barely played anything again. I did play, as I was talking to you about on the train, Simon, I played the uh, the Odd World game that's on PSN because it's free on PSN Plus at the moment. What's it called? Stranger's Wrath. Stranger's Wrath. And it took about an hour and a half to get it installed and patched and downloaded and all those things. I ended up playing it for about five minutes. Um, oh. It doesn't seem like a terrible game, but it does seem like a game that's not for me. It did seem quite dated. It turns out it is a high-res version of an older game, right? Mm, yeah, it's, it's a third-person game where you uh, explore, pick up different weapons to do different things but I think I'm over this you shoot vermin though it's yeah, the, the ammunition vermin. which is it's a, yeah it's a super super cute idea but um, it is not for me and that doesn't mean it's not for you listener and that's why I'm going to give it 7 out of 10 well that's good I'll try and play something else for next week maybe I'll try and get a game on Dyad verify your score oh my goodness look at the time look at the time it's nearly 8 o'clock. It is. Nearly 8 o'clock, and that means it's nearly time for us to go. Got about a minute of the show left. What are we going to do? I don't know. We could just sit here in silence. You know, um, you know, something I noticed was that the Tour de France is over. Yeah. At the end of the Tour de France, there was an advert for The Cycle Show on ITV. I saw that. Can you believe oh. it? Jack, the gracious host of The Bike Show, he must be furious. I bet they were mad when they found out the bike show had been patented. But it does make me think that we should keep an eye out on ITV4. Yeah. For the, the video game the show. The Two Lives Left show. <laughs> something like that. Simon, thank you so much for coming on Ain't One Life Left. Thank um, you. I hope we haven't been too mean. No, no, too much. Never. You, you cope with us perfectly. I hope you will come on again. Um, Anne, thanks for coming on One Life Left too. Thanks. Your contract's up. We won't see you again. Just kidding. Oh, uh, oh you wouldn't have cared either. Uh, thanks to all our contributors this week and all of our musicians. Yes. We'll be back next week with a different Simon, whoever Thank we you, can find. Thank you, We're so happy to have you here too. I hope my contract isn't up because it's been brilliant fun as always. Yeah. But we'll see you all next week. See you. Bye. Bye. Bye.